I want to talk about um, those that hear God's word, hear his voice, right? That those are, that are of God hear his voice. And earlier this week, I want to say probably two weeks ago, my daughter came up to me and she said that she wanted to learn the Bible, that she wanted to read the Bible. And she, she has her own little kid's Bible, right? It's called the, um, Our Daily Bread for Kids, 365. People are familiar with that if you have kids. It's a great story Bible. It's awesome. Um, she's been going through it for a while. But she comes up to me and she's like, you know, I want to read the, I want to read the Bible. I want, to, I want to know it. And I'm like, anybody who's a parent, you know, you're like, oh. you know. And she's seven years old. Right, she's sitting right there in front. She's going to embarrass a little bit. No, you're not? Okay. Anyways, she's like, no, I'm fine. But uh, I was like, okay, well, we'll, um, yeah, we'll, we'll start right away. I said, we'll start, we'll start in John, and uh, we'll, we'll start reading. So it started two weeks ago, and we started reading in John uh, two chapters a day. And what's, what's also what's great is there's a, there's a movie came out in 2014. It's called The Gospel of John, the written account of the Gospel, the Gospel of John. Uh, there's a free app called Free TV. Um, it has movies and things like that, so it popped up. I'm like, oh, this is free, and it has it on there. It is a, a word-for-word account of the Gospel of John. So I'm like, oh, this is great. So I can read the word, we can study that, and then we can sit and watch it. She gets really excited. She's like, all right, we're getting ready to watch. Okay, she gets the covers, gets the blankets. Okay, she's like, all right, snuggles up. <laughs> she's, she's like, no, I don't. She's heckling me. Anybody get heckled by your own daughter before? It's all right. But um, she gets really excited. I get excited too because I'm like, all right, we're gonna, right, we're, we're getting ready to watch it from like you know, a movie perspective, and it's like word for word what we just read. So that's just been fun walking, uh, reading that and walking her through that. And what's interesting is last week. So Mitch did a wonderful job um, preaching on how to combat the enemy. And uh, do you remember those weapons that he, he, he said to use? Yes. Truth. There's three of them. Okay. Yes. Okay. Wait a second. Because you, you've answered t- two of them. Let's see if anybody <laughs> said that. You, you were paying attention. I love that. Yes. Truth, spiritual armor. And there was another one. Not testimony. Now everyone's nervous. It, 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 there's emoji has two hands that come together. Prayer. prayer, yes, right. Prayer. Now, obviously, those of us that know the Bible, like our minds, plow through all the context when we think about spiritual armor and and how to combat the enemy, and we we go directly to Ephesians six, right? We all know this, right? Ephesians six fourteen. Through 17, what does it say? It says, stand therefore, having girded your waist of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now we hear that and it's easy, like it's easy to say, yeah, I, I, I know this. Like we, we know that. We've heard that before, the spiritual armor. We, we know this, blah, 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 the truth, 
Yep, got it. Breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith. Heard it 50 times. Yet we're getting hit with fiery darts in our life, right? That's causing us to, our world to be on fire and turned upside down. But yet we intellectually get, get it, but it doesn't show in our life. Why is that? It's easy to fall into that trap. You know, the I've heard it before trap. I'm I've, I've guilty of, I've done like, oh yeah, oh, we're preaching through Ephesians. Oh yeah, we're preaching through the Good Shepherd. Oh yeah, I know this one. I got it, yeah. I know this by heart. Oh, Psalms 23. Oh yeah, I know that by heart. And then so you don't really have ears to hear because you've already decided what the pastor is going to say, right? And that is a trap every single time. I don't think it's a coincidence that Mitch wrapped up in John 8 last week. Like I said, me and my daughter have been going through John, and me and Mitch didn't speak at all about what we were preaching. And so he's preaching through John 8, but from the perspective of how to combat the enemy. And I'm like, this is, you know, because I've been reading through John, and, and, and it's been on my heart, but from a different perspective. Um, but I'm like, oh, this is fresh. I, I love this. So I, I sat and I listened to what he said. And there's one verse in particular that just been, it's just stuck with me, right? Before we get there, I'm going to do a quick recap of what he was talking about. So um, last week from John 8, right, 31, Jesus is going back and forth, going back and forth with the Pharisees. He says, um, one, I can do nothing of myself, but as my father taught me, I speak these things. Two, he who has sent me is with me. Right. Through the father has not left me alone. I always do the things that please him. The Pharisees say Abraham is our father and we have only one father, God. And Jesus says, nope. Um, if that were true, you would do the things of Abraham and you would love me because I am from God. But yet you are trying to kill me. Right. So this kind of conversation is going back and forth with the Pharisees. And in John Eight. I want to pick it up at 44. It'll probably be on the screen. John 8, 44. Um, Jesus doesn't hold any punches. He goes right in, right? And you, we read this last week, but I want, to, I want to go through it one more time. 44. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks it from his own resources, for he was a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Well, here it is, 47. He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. And then the Jews answered, says to him, well, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and that you have a demon? And so I sat with that verse. And I thought that was really interesting, right? There's two ad hominem attacks here, right, that, that happen. Well, first, we know that in 47 that they're not of, they're obviously not of God because they're not hearing God's. Jesus is right in front of them. They're not hearing his words. So right there, and plus Jesus says that you're not of God. So that's evident, right? But... Second, they can't attack Jesus' personal life or his conduct because Jesus is, is perfect, 
There's nothing they can attack. Um, so they can hurl personal insults at them to try to distract the people around um, from listening to him and say that he's a, he's a Samaritan. Now, why is that? Why is that even important? That they said that you are a Samaritan. Well, um, quick history lesson. When the Israel, when Israel split politically after Solomon's reign, King Amari, right, this is in 2 Kings, named the northern kingdom of Israel Samaria. Okay, it was King Amari who purchased the hill in Samaria. It was uh, King Amari who did evil in the sight of the Lord, worse than anyone who was before him. He wasn't the worst. There was worse, you know, if you read First Second Kings, it got worse and worse, but he was the worst up until that point, right? Um, before him. So the origins of Samaria already in the sight of these self-righteous Pharisees um, is not good, right? And to make matters worse, um, I want to read to you two verses from Second Kings and what King Sargon II did. So King Assyria, they, they captured Israel. This is what happens. Um, verse 17, sorry, verse 5 says, now the king of Assyria went throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it for three years. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Hala and by the, the Habor and the river of Gozan and in the cities of uh, Medes. Okay, so why is that important? Right, the king of Assyria scattered the children of Israel in Samaria, right? Scattered them further north to what we call now, what is now Iraq. But, and then while he's doing that, he scatters them, but then he transports non-Jews into Samaria. So then what happens is there's an intermingling that happens, intermarriage happens, and now there's a mixed race of Jews and non-Jews called Samaritans. So because of this, tensions grew. Uh, between the Jews that returned back from captivity and the Samaritans to a point where the Samaritans withdrew worship in Jerusalem and decided to uh, worship at Mount Gerizim in Samaria. So all the Samaritans, um, also, the Samaritans only regarded the, uh, the Torah as, as authoritative. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that's all. So because of that, the Jews were like, well, you guys are heretics because this is all you believe in. So there's that going on. And so all this, with all this history, they, these two groups just try to avoid each other at, at all costs. Don't want nothing to do with this group. Don't want nothing to do with that group. Why is that significant? All that history. Well, because if you remember that Jesus spoke to a Samaritan woman, Right? And that was really, really scandalous in that epoch of time. In that time and culture of history, speaking to a Samaritan, let alone a woman, and then asking her for a drink. Um, I'm sure these Pharisees heard about that, right? This had to have gone out, you know. And that's what Jesus is amazing. Like he, I'm sure they're thinking, like, who is this guy? Like he has Samaritans following him. Now the Jews are following him and people are hearing him. They're listening to him. You know, he speaks to a Samaritan and 
And, and not only that, he, he asks this person for a drink, which means that she has to touch, like her, her, her filthy, impure Samaritan hands has to touch the drink, and that might transfer over, and, and that's, just, that's just gross. I can't believe, who is this guy? And people are listening to this guy, right? But not only that, he doesn't, I, you know, I, I can kind of imagine if I'm in, you know, in a desert, and that way it's hot, and, uh, and maybe no one's looking, I get a drink. But he doesn't just do that. He, he, he then proceeds to have a conversation with this woman, right? Who's a Samaritan. Has a conversation with her. Then, not only that, she goes out, tells everybody, more Samaritans come. And they say, hey, stay. Kick it with us for a little bit. He says, okay, I'll stay for two days. He stays for two days and witnesses. I'm sure that got out. I need one of those, like... One of those little, uh, like a hype man, like a little John that says, what? You know what I mean? You hit it because cause I'm just like, because literally, and when you think about this, the, the, the Pharisees are like, are you, and this guy is, he's drawing, everyone's following him. He's, he has to be one of these Samaritans. He's dirty. He's filthy. He's one of them. Plus, he, he, he has a demon. I'm, I'm sure of it. That's the only way that he can... Gather everybody, hypnotizing everybody. So they thought that they can throw that in there, right? And that that would work because they figured out, like, hey, he's a Samaritan, right? So we're not going to listen to him because he's, you know, we're not with those Samaritans. Doesn't work. Never works, right? Now, what's more amazing to me is that these, what these Jews would think, these dirty, half-breed, watered-down Jews, right? They're the ones that hear God's voice. They're the ones. She's the one that heard Jesus. They were face-to-face with Jesus, the Pharisees, but never, they didn't hear him. She heard Jesus. You want them water? Yes, I want that water. Okay. Heard Jesus and then went on, gathered more Samaritans, and she might have been the first Samaritan evangelist as a woman. Really significant in that time. Really significant in that time. Who else was a Mary? Mary was like the first evangelist, right? She went to the tomb, then told Peter and John, the disciples, hey, our our Lord is risen. That's the good news. She went and told them, first evangelist, woman. That's scandalous in in this time. That's significant, right? Let me read this account. Let's go to John 4, John 4, 5. Listen to what this says. All right, so he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sacar, near a plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, Sat thus by the well, it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came and drew water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. 
His disciples had gone away. So no one's there, all right? Disciples gone away to the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, a Samaritan woman? Even she knows, like, wait, do you know who I am, right? I'm dirty and I'm filthy and I'm Samaritan. You're a Jew. You're asking me for a drink? How is that? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaria. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. Right there, she's like, well, you're going to have to touch my, the cup that I'm going to have to, you have nothing of your own, so I can't even, it's something, you know, remember, I'm Sumerian. You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than the father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and, and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, she heard him. Sir, give me this water that I may thirst, that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. So I'm going to skip a little bit. She says that she doesn't, she doesn't have a... Um, she has no husband. Jesus says, therefore, you know, you, you speak right. You're, you've been truthful. Let's go to 21. Jesus says to her, woman, I believe, believe me, the hour is coming when you will not, no, neither, no longer on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know that we worship for salvation is not of the Jews. But 23, but the hour is coming and now it is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth and the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? See, they had no regard for women in that culture. So that's why they're like, oh, that's Jesus. He turns water into wine. He does all these miracles. But he's talking to a, a woman. I mean, but he's God, so he can do what he, what he wants. There has to be something significant about this. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see who told me all things that I ever did. I love that. She went to the men and said, hey, come follow me. And they listened and heard. Could this be the Christ? Then they all went out to the city and came to him. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans that day believed in him because he, because of the word of the woman who testified, evangelist. He told me all that I ever did. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. See, then it says in 42, it says, Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for ourselves, we have heard him, and we now 
And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. I would say in 42, what happened was their faith increased. They believed, which is why they went. Their faith increased when they heard Christ. And all of these Samaritan women and men heard God because they were of God. So this brings me back to John 8, 47. He who, he who is of God hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. And so this week, you know, I was already sitting with that, that verse two weeks ago. Then Mitch had said that verse. And I'm like, oh, that's... I don't believe there's any coincidences because we didn't talk about this. And I just, I, I wrestled with that um, because I've read it so many times um, and it just hit me differently. And I was even a little sad um, when I thought about friends and family who I've, out of my own strength, I've tried to, to share the gospel with them and, and try to you know show them the truth. And I mean, close friends that would take a bullet for me, that we would... You know, but they're like, I have, I have a friend who's read the Bible front to back. He's probably read it twice. Nothing. You know. Why is that? A lot of you are thinking probably, Jerome, you can't lead a horse to water. You lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. It's true. Um, but I, I see it like, I see their lives sometimes on fire. And I'm like, they're, they're dying of thirst and I'm like, here's a living water. It's 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 here. You know, I'm like the 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 foam around your the white foam around your mouth, that's not a good thing. That that that's called di- dehydration. That's what's happening there. You know, you, you need spiritually you're 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 dying. That's why your life's in fire, that's why these things are, are upside down in your world. That's that's why these things are happening. Um but they don't they don't hear me. I don't think they believe me. They're, you know, it's always something like, eh, I don't really believe in dehydration. I just, I mean, do we really know that that's, that you die from dehydration? I mean, it's, it's like, yes. I mean, who says that? Who really told you that, though? The government? Is that what they told you? Is it them? It's like, listen, it's tested. It's proven. Like, you de- dehydration leads to death. But So it's, it's, it's simple. Like to me, like I, I, I hear, I see, like we know physically that if we're in a desert and you don't get your electrolytes, your magnesium, potassium, sodium, the, all the things that you need, you will pass away. Spiritually, why would it be any different? If he says this is living water and we're dying spiritually, we're, you know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, in a postmodern world, there is like no objective truth. And now I'd say since no, no, 2020, you know, it's, it's, we've like leaped into a post-truth world, right? All the misinformation out there causes confusion, distraction, and disenchantment downstream that it's hard to find your way back. Right, it's hard to find your way back. It becomes increasingly difficult to hear God's voice. 
So we need to ask ourselves, do you desire to hear his voice? Do you desire to use your faith to the full, to the fullest potential? Because God's, he's given us all a measure of faith. Our faith doesn't really need to be increased, right? We've all been given faith, whether your faith is a little tiny mustard seed. If you haven't looked up a mustard seed, look it up and then look up a mustard seed tree. You will be amazed. The tree is like big as this building and then the seed is like that. So even if we had that, he's given us at least that. We just need to use it. We just need to use it. In John 10, and I want you guys to hear this with fresh ears. We've all heard this before. Right? The Good Shepherd. John 10. Before I read it, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just open our ears to hear your voice. That everyone in this room and everyone online will hear your words, Lord. That it would just grow in them, Lord. Um, that they would hear it so clear, crystal clear, Father. Um, that they would just turn to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I usually don't pray mid-sermon, but I felt like I needed to. So, there you go. Um, John 10 says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he... Who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, he's a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door, he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them out of his brings them out, brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. Jesus always goes before us. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So Jesus used this illustration, but they didn't understand the things that he was saying, so he breaks it it down for them very clearly. Jesus says to them again, Most surely I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Whoever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Other versions say that that they may have life to the full. So are you hearing... His voice. And if you're not hearing his voice, and you're not listening to his voice, whose voice are you listening to? That's the question. Right? Because don't listen to your own voice. I'll tell you right now, our hearts are wicked, right? And your inner monologue will deceive you. <laughs> to say, I know from experience. Do not listen to your own voice. Um, but here's three steps on that I use personally. On how to hear, how to hear and increase your faith. Step one is ask God. Interesting that this is the same step in how to combat the enemy that Mitch used from last week. Pray. Right? I wonder if there can be any correlation between combating the enemy and hearing God. Right? Hmm. 
I wonder if there's a correlation between Satan and his demonic forces actively working that I will not hear so I so I can't hear God where there's distraction where there's whatever they use we all know what they use right so I won't hear and I won't be tuned into the frequency of God but but just static and noise and I, I can't I wonder if they're actively working hmm Maybe I should actively do something about it and pray. I don't know. I think it's a good idea. We should try it more often. When we pray, step two, hear God. Right? When you hear God because you have asked, don't sit on it, but act on it. When you hear God, don't sit, act on it right away. If you hear God saying to you, hey, I have a new job for you, right? Be prepared. We got to be prepared. If he says, there's a job for you. Okay, so let me make sure that I prepared. I got my resume together. Uh, uh, you know, let me get a clean shave. Whatever I have to do to be prepared, right? Get my interview clothes ready for a job. That's what we do for a job. We don't just say, oh, yeah, God will find me a job. Okay, I ain't got to do anything. I'll just sit here on the couch. He'll give me something like we have to do our part. Our part is be prepared. That's all he asks. And he will deliver. Step three. Obey. Obey God. Last thing I want to read to you. John 21. And I'll wrap it up here. John 21, one through six says this. This is when Jesus is already risen. He appears to his disciples a third time, I believe. He says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas the twin, uh, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter says to them, I'm going fishing. They say to him, we're going with you also. They went out immediately Sorry, Siri, I didn't say anything to you. You see, you know what? Apple. You know what I mean? With the bite out of the apple. You see what I'm saying? Huh? Huh? The fruit? I don't know. Huh? You see how it interrupted the word? Huh? You see that right there? Turn you off right now. What's, you know what? That's what happens when your phone's off. Siri, turn off. There you go. That's what it tries to do. Distract you from the word. All right, so. I'm going fishing. So they go fishing. Uh, They went out immediately, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, and yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. This is significant. They didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus is on the shore. They're out in the boat fishing. Some man is out there. They don't know it's Jesus. But then this man, who's Jesus, says to them, Hey, children, do you have any food? They say, No. So then this man says to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. This is what what it says. It doesn't say anything else. This is what it says. 
He says, cast the boat on the right side and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw in because of the multitude of fish. They didn't know it was Jesus. They heard his voice. They heard, obeyed, cast it on the right side. Fish to the full. Heard voice, obeyed. Heard voice, obeyed. Then they found out that, oh, that's Jesus. But they knew his voice because they are his sheep. They didn't have to see that, that was Jesus. There was something in them that says, well, I don't know who that guy is, but he, he told us to do this. And the way he, something's right about this. They heard and obeyed. If we will do those three things, trust in the Lord, when we hear him, we act on it, we'll obey, we hear and obey, pray, hear and obey, pray, hear and obey, life will go so much smoother for us. And even if life is on fire around us, it won't seem like it. It won't. They're like, yeah, I, I see that the world is crumbling. Oh, yeah, we're in a war. Yeah, okay, well, that's happening. But for some reason, I'm, I'm, I feel safe. I feel fine because I know that Christ is with me. Amen? Let me pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be one that hears your voice. Thank you that we heard your voice today. We do not take that lightly, Father. We know who you are and what you did on the cross. Continue to work in our lives, Lord Jesus. Continue to transform us more every single day into your likeness. I know that we'll have step backs, we'll have hurdles, that we'll have to jump over, Lord, but every day, let us take another step and draw near to you, Lord, as you draw near to us. We love you. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen.